superior quality. I'm speaking of studio headphones. Head over to studio.com and at checkout, use promo code ROB15. You get 15% off an already affordable product. You can also help out the show at the same time. What's the cup for? WrestleMania 3, Pontiac, Michigan. Yeah, 90,000 plus people watching right there. And this is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's cup of coffee in the big time. Yeah, cup of coffee in the big time because you'll never get closer than now. Welcome back to another edition of Wrestling is Trash. We're just sitting here talking nonsense about professional wrestling, past, present, and possibly the future. Um, I have a guest with me on this episode, and guest, you have a New Japan 20 count to introduce yourself, and how did you come to know professional wrestling? And your 20 count starts now. My name is King Ajar. I've been on Rob's show before. How I got into professional wrestling is my dad took me to Maple Leaf Gardens. I saw Terry Funk versus Hulk Hogan, and I was hooked from that point on because I thought it was real. Yeah, we all thought it was real at some point. When 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 did that wear off for you? When did um, it set in that it, that somebody put in the fix? <laughs> so uh, is the twenty count up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you just talk till you finish. I, I I've only had. One person go past the 20 count. Now it's tied, punk ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched um, the, the, the match I was just talking about, which was Hulk Hogan versus Terry Funk. I saw the match in Maple Leaf Garden. And the ending of that match is Terry Funk had Hulk Hogan pinned and Hogan had his foot on the rope. And it was one, two, you know, three, but he had his foot on the rope. The ref said, no, 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 no. And then Hogan came back, leg drop, won the match. So. Three weeks later, I saw Saturday Night's main event for the first time. And I saw the exact same match. And I'm kind of asking my dad and mom, like, wait a minute. Didn't we just, if it's like, if it's a real fight, even at a young age, I was like, how could the exact same thing? Like, I knew everything that was going to happen. And I was like, well, oh, he's going to put up the big boot and he's going to do the leg and he's going to put his hand behind the ear. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, why is it? Why is doing the same thing over and over again? So I asked my dad. I literally thought our match was on TV. Like, the match I went to, my dad told me was, oh, like, that's why they were taping. You saw the cameras. But it wasn't. And then a couple of years later, I kind of figured it out that he was just trying to keep the secret from me. But, like, it's theater. And, you know, I didn't didn't not hate it. But I don't know if you remember this, Rob. Uh, Vince McMahon, in order to not to avoid the drug testing that they were going to do for athletics. He came out and he openly said like this fake. And that's really kind of what tipped me off. Like, Oh, well the guy who owns the company saying it's fake. So it has to be fake. Yeah. And that's what it was. Okay. So, so before we get too far along into the show, I got a couple of things that everybody should know. Um, You can be a part of this show and different ways you can do that is by following wrestling be trash on Twitter and um, using the hashtag wit talk. That's W I T T A L K to um, tag your questions for the show so we can read them and we can discuss them and you can be a part of that show in that vein. Also, you can send in emails using the email address mail at wrestling is trash.com. And also you can leave your voicemails to be played on the show and discussed 
by calling 304-825-5762. Besides being a part of the show, another element that we have as a part of this show is the promo in the bank. Um, I'm sure you're pr- pretty familiar with it if you listen to past episodes. There's only seven of them. You should be binge listening to them right now. Well, not right now because you're listening to this one. So after this one, you can go back and listen to the other seven episodes. But uh, what the promo in the bank is at any given time throughout the recording of this show, um, we pick topics off air that uh, one of us have to cut a 20, I mean, not 20, a 60 second promo on in the voice of... <laughs> the other competitors choosing so whenever that person cashes in we have predetermined topics to discuss we have to cut a 60 second promo and use an accent so just so you know whatever the other person picked for us to do the promo on doesn't necessarily mean we agree with it it's just a task that we has that has been set by us to cut up a 60 second promo. So don't get offended that you're thinking, oh, he's racist. He believes this. Nah, it's just a joke. This is just a part of the show. It's just some bullshit to fuck around with professional wrestling. But anyway, when I knew the fix was in, just to go back to what you was talking about, I forget what it was specifically, but it was in the vein of a. Uh, it was a it was a chair shot or something like that. And um, it was just so damn protected that I knew something was up. It was just like something was really weird about it. And then that, then not too long after that, I think it was a TV special to where uh, they had the mass wrestler revealing all the secrets of professional wrestling and shit. So he was actually on TV in a mask, you know, just giving out all the details. It's showing how a 300-pound man can jump off the top rope and splash somebody and not hurt him or, you know, how to pull a punch. And, like, he was just like, that was like straight up pulling, you know, the wool from over my eyes and showing me right in front of me, like, hey, this is staged. And that's kind of how I figured out (laughs) that it was rigged. I watched that show. I remember that Harley race was on that show. The great Harley race. He was, he was one of the guys talking. Remember when they had like one of the, the, one of the former wrestling champions talking, but they blurred, they changed the voice. Yeah. That was him. But they didn't, they didn't. Yeah. That was him. Yeah. That was Harley race. What? Yeah. <laughs> and the thing about it is like Harley race. For those of you listening who might not know who he is, he's legitimately one of the toughest wrestlers of all time. Like legit shooter beat your ass tough and that's why when he did that a lot of people were mad at him but they couldn't really tell him to his face because he's harley race and you know for those who don't know he has a left hand that just not it just knocks people out yeah it really knocked people out like big van vader rest in peace wrestlers in japan who messed with rick flair like harley race is a he's a badass so, um, but he did give the secrets away because he said it was a really good payday, huh. and that that was him. Damn, I feel a certain way about Harley Race now. Um, when I was living in Missouri before I retired, um, I was two—I believe almost two hours, maybe an hour and a half away from his wrestling school, and I was like so, like on the verge of like telling myself that I can go to work. 12 hours a day, maybe even more hours a day, then find some kind of way 
to drive my ass an hour and a half up to his school and try to do some motherfucking training. And, <laughs> and I was really convincing myself. And then I was like, nah, that's okay. <laughs> but it was close. I almost, I almost did that shit. See. You still there? I'm here. I'm oh. listening to you. So, did you ever want to be a wrestler? Always. It's, it's, as long as I can remember. It's like, it was like maybe three or four things I wanted to always be. I wanted to be in the military. I've done that. I wanted to do, I wanted to be a martial artist or some kind of stunt man, which I kind of done that through the military. Um, and I wanted to be a wrestler. And I kind of got to be a wrestler through the military. So, I mean, I got to encompass all the things that I ever wanted to be as a kid by joining the military. Speaking of the military, today, as we record, November 10th, 2018, today is the 243rd birthday of the United States Marine Corps. If there's anybody listening right now that has served or is serving in the Marine Corps, I like to wish you the happiest of birthdays and Semper Fidelis. And yes. Yes. That is a great call out. Uh, my brother-in-law, Jesse, who is in the Gulf coast, I believe that's Pensacola. For those of you who don't know Pensacola area, he is a officer in the Marines. And no matter what you think about the military and what your opinion of our current commander in chief is, the one thing you have to understand about the military is it really does turn a lot of people's lives around to the positive. Um, my brother-in-law, Jesse, being one of them, who really was had no direction, no discipline, didn't really know what he wanted to do in life, had a kid at a very young age, actually two kids at a very young age, you know, 17 and 16, respectively. When you have a kid that young, you really don't know. You know, life comes at you really quickly, and I just, I've just seen the turnaround in him in terms of being in the military and how positive it's in. He got his degree at UCLA. So I want to wish a happy birthday to all of the men and women who have served in the Marines, past, present, and still in the future. Bam. And, um, yeah, man, I, I really appreciate those kind words, sir. Um, when you were describing what it, what it was, your cousin or whatever, and um, my brother, yeah, your brother-in-law, and I was sitting there. I was like, "Damn, is, is you talking about me? Am I your brother-in-law?" Because I mean, that that's pretty much a mirror of kind of how it was for me. I mean, I as I said previous, I always wanted to do the military thing, but you know, when it was coming upon time to actually execute and do it, you know, I was kind of iffy, and then I became that person that you were just talking about. I had you know, a kid at a young age and I didn't really have any options in my hometown. So I went forward with it. <laughs> then I had another kid right after and, you know, nine 11 happened and all this other bullshit, you know? So th th you were speaking to me right then and there. So <laughs> I appreciate those words. Also, you know, not to, not to t rant too much on the military thing. I agree with you wholeheartedly. If you don't have a plan or any direction in life, the military could turn you around, whether you do it reserve duty, you know, do get two years in, four years in, or even a little more than that. I mean, I regret nothing. I might have regretted it in the moment, but in hindsight, you know, being away from it, you know, I miss it. And 
I'd do it all over again if I could. So, yeah, let's talk wrestling. <laughs> all right, let's talk wrestling. Okay, we got some uh, questions as submitted to you, uh, su- submitted from you, not to you, because if I had questions for you, that would be a process of trying to answer your questions after I put it on audio, edit it, put it out, then you had to listen to it, and then you had to come back to me some kind of way, and then I had to, it's a whole rigmarole, but there were questions submitted to this show from you, the listener, and uh, we're going to cover one of them right now. First question comes from Jeremy at EP Land NFL on Twitter. And his question is, you're at a club and five or six dudes try to start some shit with you. But they don't know you're with you're there with someone else who unconditionally has your back. Which current nine WWE wrestler are you there with who are who you are confident that can handle those fools. So pretty much we got to pick a nine WWE uh, wrestler that we feel that would uh, have our back in this uh, brawl with five to six gentlemen and um, whip some ass. So who you got in your corner? Well, it's easy. I got Tama Tonga. Ooh, that's not a bad choice. And I'm going to go within that. I'm going to go within that same <laughs> camp and I'm going to pick a uh, bad luck Fale. <laughs> I am picking Tama Tonga because he is the son of the legendary Haku. Mm-hmm. And for those wrestling fans out there who have heard the stories or know the stories of Haku, his as the rock, and I'm quoting the rock here, the legend has, he is a legendary badass mm-hmm. in the wrestling circles. He's from, I believe, I can't remember what the town in Illinois is, but he's from like, East St. Louis, Illinois. And I mean, Ric Flair tells the story and Rock tells the story and Vince McMahon and everybody tells the story. Like Haku is a guy that in East St. Louis, Illinois fought off like eight cops and they pepper sprayed him and it woke him up and he got stronger. (laughs) So anybody who is affiliated with Haku, I want in my corner. So I want the bad boy of, I guess, what is now the Bullet Club without the elite, Tomatonga. Yeah. I mean, um, I've gotten to know his character somewhat. Not so much, um, you know, not, not, character is the um, wrong word I'm using. His uh, in-ring uh, skills and whatnot, you know, through watching New Japan more frequently than I have in the past. And um, I always thought he was cool. He had a look to him. He had um, the face paint at the time that I discovered him and whatnot, which was creepy as fuck. And then he would crawl around the ring and shit. You ever seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, he, he is tremendous. I believe if he went to WWE, they would fuck up his character. But <laughs> um, he might make some noise in NXT if he ever choose to go that route. But I'm I'm fine with him in New Japan. Yeah, you know, I think that one of the things that nobody talks about is everybody always talks about like, okay, WWE, WWE, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But there's a counter to that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that WWE is the only place to go. No. Because they have too much talent right now. Yep. And you don't have to do with 80% of the roster. Mm -hmm. And think of a world where 
Tyler Breeze yeah. or um, Chad Gable mm-hmm. or you know, I uh, let me think. Uh, Shinsuke, goddamn. Uh, Shinsuke, Asuka, they were in New Japan or they were in Stardom or they were in Ring of Honor or they were in Progress or they were in other wrestling promotions. Like the WWE is like they're hoarders. Mm-hmm. And anybody who ever watched the show Hoarders, they just hoard things to have them. They hoard talent because they don't want other wrestling companies to thrive and to prosper. And I really think it's going to take a lot of the wrestlers who are getting that really big paycheck in WWE to be more like Cody Rhodes, mm-hmm. to be more like Pac or what he used to be called, which is Neville. And you know what? And even Austin Aries and say, you know what? I don't need the WWE money. I'm going to go make good money on my own. And I'm going to go develop my character mm-hmm. and I'm going to make my own name outside of it. Because, you know, I, you know, when, when, when Sasha Banks signed her new contract and I heard about it, I was kind of crushed because I really wanted to see her go out and wrestle at shimmer mm-hmm. or ring of honor, because I really thought like she's such a star that she could really elevate a woman's division for another company. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she stayed, I'm sure it's a lot more money and she has comfort and her lifestyle, but like they don't know what to do with everybody. And yeah. I think for like a Tomatonga, he's going to come in, he's going to get a push and then he's going to be lost in the shuffle. Like everybody else. Yeah. And- like they push six people. They push Ronda Rousey. They push Charlotte Flair. They push Braun Strowman. They push Roman Reigns. They push Brock Lesnar. They push AJ Styles. And that's it. And they push Daniel Bryan to a, to a lesser degree. And then they push Becky, but the fans kind of pushed Becky. And I think that that's like my problem with the product. Like there's too much talent and there's no direction. There's no creativity. There's no storyline. There's no mid card titles that mean anything. There's no mid women's titles that are even in existence. And if you're not fighting for the title, you're not really in a feud. And the wrestling I grew up on, Every- I told the story about Maple Leaf Gardens, mm-hmm. Terry Funk, Hulk Hogan. You would watch feuds like Jake the Snake Roberts and Ravishing Rick Rude. They did not fight over a belt, mm-hmm. but they used to main event at Maple Leaf Gardens in a match that had no title. But because Rick Rude hit on his wife, mm-hmm. put his wife's face on the tights, mm-hmm. it was heated people felt the intensity and they would main event and get 10 to 12,000 people in Maple Leaf Gardens once a month with that main event, you know, Roddy Piper against Adrian Adonis. There was no belt. It was just a blood feud. I need to see that out of wrestling in WWE. I need to see feuds that don't have belts that they put effort and time into and they don't do it. And that's why I don't want to see a lot of guys come to WWE. I don't want to see Kenny Omega in WWE. I don't want to yeah. see Cody Rhodes. I don't want to see um, Hangman Page or the Young Bucks. Like, if the Young Bucks said, you know what, I've never been to WWE and I want to make millions because I'm going to retire. Yeah. I respect that. that I get yeah. it. Okay, no problem. But they have such a great business model. They're their own bosses. They sell a shitload of merchandise. They make their own schedules. They're home on Christmas. They're not like bogged down by the lack of creativity WWE has with its writers. I just don't want to see it. Like I'm all for these guys, not only not coming to WWE, I'm 
for a lot of WWE wrestlers going to somewhere else. Like I want to see an exodus because then I think WWE will pay attention and say, okay, we got to develop what we have. Mm -hmm. And like Samoa Joe hasn't had the belt yet. I want to see Samoa Joe. Nakamura hasn't won the belt. Asuka, like what has Asuka been since she got to the main roster? She's been nothing short of a disaster. Yeah. And what have they done with her? Yeah. and, And I agree with everything you just said. And um, as far as um, what you know, pretty much what it all comes down to is what you said in the end is like WWE is the place to where you go to retire, you know, because I mean, look at look at the mainstays that are there now. AJ Styles, this dude is what in his 40s or 40. So, I mean, he winding down to the end. John Cena, he is already foot out the door. Randy Orton already foot out the door. Goddamn, Jeff Hardy is there, already foot out the door. Matt Hardy had to put his both feet out the door because of injury, you know, but he came back. That's a retirement. The Dudleys came back. They are one half is uh, pretty much out of it. The other one is still fucking around somewhere else. But that's where you end it all. In my opinion, man, you go around the world, you do everything, you build up your brand, like you were saying, you make as uh, much money independently to get that buzz behind you. Then you come to WWE, retire, put on some good matches, have some good feuds. Maybe at the end of it all, you get inducted to the Hall of Fame or have, you know, something. And that's it. You're done. <laughs> yep, I would agree. I think if I'm in. If I'm in a place where I'm making a really, really good living as a professional wrestler like the Bucks or Cody or Omega or Okada, I'm not coming to WWE. I'll tell you who should come to WWE. Women wrestlers. They should come to WWE because the money on the independent circuits for women is not nearly as lucrative as it is for the men. So I understand why big stars do not leave once they get to WWE or or cultivated stars, you know, Becky, Sasha, Bailey, they won't leave because they're not going to make the money they're making on the independent unless they just want to do more merch stuff and they want to mm-hmm. do more car, um, more autograph signings and things like that. But they're still not going to make even close to the money they're making on the main roster with the merchandise and the TV exposure. You know, they can really build their brands and, you know, women wrestlers in other promotions do not appear on B on the real or they don't appear on MTV. Like, that's not going to happen. So mm-hmm. I understand the women not leaving WWE, but the men, I would not go to WWE. I just, I, unless it's this last hurrah or it's like Sting, I want to work WrestleMania. I've never worked WrestleMania in my career. I want to do one WrestleMania to see how it is, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But Cody Rhodes has already done all that. He doesn't need yeah. to come back. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I, th- I think there was a rumor floating around or whatever to where they was even thinking about starting their own promotion. I heard that. I did. I think it was going to be like Chris Jericho, the the box, Cody, Jim Ross. And, okay. So, in order to start your own wrestling promotion, yeah. I guess in 2018, it's a lot easier because yeah. you don't need television. Twitch. You can... You can Twitch, you can live stream, you can YouTube, you can do so many different things yeah. to get your content out there. Yeah, Fight TV, but Power it, Slam uh, TV, all that shit. Well, Jim Ross is actually an owner. He's a part owner of Fight TV. Oh, okay. So I think that, yeah, I think it's viable. But in the United States, 
as great as everybody talks about New Japan, New Japan, New Japan. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first couple of shows they came, they sold out. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, the Madison Square Garden show, Ring of Honor, New Japan sold out. But that's also part of WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. Then they came back to Long Beach. They ran a 10,000-seat arena, and they had 3,500 people who bought tickets. Mm-hmm. So eventually the, the, the novelty wears off, I guess. I, I'm happy if they want to start their own promotion. That'd be great. I would definitely check it out. But to me, I think in 2018, 2019, 2020, if you start your own promotion, you got to have women too. Like yeah. they got to have a women's component because I think what the one thing that has been the saving grace of WWE is the women have really elevated the last three years in some of the better feuds that the company has put on. So I think if you're going to start a promotion, you got to have women involved and you got to have meaningful characters and matches, but I'm all for something new. I'll check it out. I gave, um, you know, I give progress and evolve and all those wrestling promotions a look, but I don't have enough time in the week to watch all the wrestling that's out there. That's the other problem. Like for those of you who don't know me, I'm a diehard sports fan. So I watch, four NBA games a night. I watch a lot of football. I watch hockey. And honestly, with the way wrestling is, it's very low on my priority list. So if the Lakers are playing the Raptors, I'm not going to watch wrestling if it's competing with that. Like, I'm just not going to do it. I'd rather watch another basketball game. So yeah, I'm happy for them. I think it's great, but we'll see where it goes. That's a lot of money you're going to have to tie up into starting your own promotion. Yeah, that is so true. Now, um, I got another question and it, uh, it's, it's, sure. not, it's not so much a question. It was, um, a wrestling post that I seen, um, from the Mark world order, uh, podcast. I seen it on their Facebook page and I thought it was rather intriguing. So I copied it and I'm gonna bring it over here to the show. You can follow, um, the Mark world order podcast on Twitter at MWO for life. That's M like Mike or melancholy or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Whatever you associate with the M letter. (laughs) Um, and the question, well, yeah, it was a question. The question was, you come across a genie in a lamp that will grant you three wishes, but they can only be WWE related. What would be your three wishes? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. That is a great question. Number one, I want heal Sasha Banks. Mm-hmm. That's the first wish. Number two, I want women's mid-card and tag team belt. Mm-hmm. Number three, I want a weekly 90-minute wrestling show on the WWE Network dedicated to just all of the women's competitors in the promotion, WWE and NXT. So those are my three wishes. Now, as far as the last one about the, um, the 90 minute show, is it a wrestling theme show or is it just about the women? No, it's, 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 it's a wrestling. It's like, it's like NXT. It's like they have their own storylines on that show. Oh, okay, got you. And some of the storylines maybe go to raw and SmackDown, but, you know, we get to see different matchups every week, like matchups that we just have to wait too damn long for on the main roster. Like, I want to see Kyrie Sane against Sasha Banks. I want to see Eero Shirai against Becky Lynch. Like, I want to see these matches, 
And I feel like I'll never see them with the way they book on the main roster. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I want. I mean, in the vein of um, all that or whatever, there's a lot of women's wrestling stuff in your wishes, which I have nothing against. Um, how you how do you think that will work out having the all women's show? Because I've been pitching it for however long and a lot of other wrestling fans and other other wrestling podcasts that I've listened to have also entertained the idea of it. So, I mean, how how do you think that would work? Because, I mean, would it be like the 205 route to where they have a small portion featured on a uh, Raw or SmackDown or whatever, then that was to lead you into the WWE Network to see the main show. Do you think it should work something like that, or what's your thoughts on it? No, I think it should be a show that is taped at full sale every week. I think it should develop um, the characters, the women characters. I think there should be storylines that it's kind of like episodic television, how it should be, where I'm just going to use this as an example. So, um, you know, Kyrie Sane is chasing um, Becky Lynch for the title, and they have a confrontation on on NXT, and then that feud might get so hot that Raw has time dedicated to it on Raw and SmackDown. But it's almost like, for example, like, Becky Lynch on an NXT show jumps Kyrie, beats the crap out of her, and leaves her laying. On Raw, Becky's the champ. She's cutting a promo or SmackDown, sorry. Kyrie comes out of nowhere, beats the crap out of her. Becky says, I'll see you at NXT tomorrow. And it's like, or the whatever the show is called, whatever the, the women's show is. So it's like, you got to watch this women's show because storylines that you see happen on Raw and SmackDown culminate there or vice versa yeah and i don't i hate the way they do 205 live because i just always felt like the matches were incredible but the crowd sometimes doesn't get into it because i don't like i don't like a lot of the main roster crowds like they're just not into the product it's almost like they're there because they got free tickets or you know the kids wanted to go see wrestling and they're okay i'll go take you but i don't really care about it at least in front of the full sale audience, you get real, very hardcore, passionate wrestling fans who are going to be invested in all of the matches. They're not going to make stupid chants. They're not going to throw on beach balls. And if you really think about how NXT became what it is, when the first Brooklyn takeover happened, you know, and, and you can watch the documentary on the network, Triple H talks about it. Like Vince comes to him and says, Hey, um, why don't you run the Barclays? And he goes, absolutely not. We're not even going to sell. We might sell 5,000 tickets. And then Barclays came to Triple H and said, well, we can make the arena smaller for you with 6,000 seats. And then the first day they sold out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, we sold 13,000 tickets. Shoot. <laughs> and maybe this thing is going to be bigger. And And remember, like, the, the 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 woman's feud in my opinion that really put women's wrestling on the map yeah. is the Sasha Bailey feud right like that's right. the feud and that's the Brooklyn match that kind of propelled it well they used to go at it on NXT TV in front of 700 people all of a sudden they tore down the Barclays Center based on what you saw weekly on NXT TV that's what I would do here like you build it up in NXT or Full Sail whatever they call it and then it gets to a SummerSlam or it gets to a Survivor Series or WrestleMania, but it's a hot 
skewed because I think the crowd in the original NXT and even now make those stars like Johnny wrestling chance, you know, Tommaso Ciampa, who I want to give you some props here. I want to give you some props here. You might not know this because I have a photographic memory and I remember everything, Mm -hmm. but we did a podcast three years ago together, two and a half years ago. And the question was, which three wrestlers would you build a promotion around? And you picked Tommaso Ciampa back then. Yes. <laughs> that what name. a call. What a call. Because has he not been the best thing about NXT the last year and a half? I would even uh, beg to say that, damn, he's been the best thing in wrestling WWE-wise. You know, smoking. Yeah, absolutely. That, that dude is you, you pick- amazing. <laughs> Yeah, you pick two people. You pick Tommaso Ciampa, you pick Amber Moon. And while I don't like the way they've used Amber Moon on the main roster, she is extremely over and she's supremely talented. Mm-hmm. And she really needs to, they need to get the ball rolling with her, but she's great too. So, you know, props to you for scouting talent. Getting back to what I was saying, I just, I want a women's show because there's too much talent on the women's roster on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. For them to get to, they're fighting for TV time, and I hate it. Like, yeah. they put the same wrestlers on TV for the women because of ratings. Okay, so mm-hmm. they know that Sasha Banks draws ratings, and they know Alexa Bliss draws ratings. So even if Sasha and Alexa have nothing to going on, and it's they're just doing nothing, they're on TV. Every every like everybody's like, oh, you know, Sasha's not high on the pecking order. Okay. She has been in nothing feuds for a long time, but every week she's on Raw. Mm-hmm. Why? Because her quarter hour does a really good number, and that's all it is. It's like, we got to put her on TV because there's going to be her fan base will watch, and they like tune out for the rest of the show, but they'll watch her. But it's meaningless. She's fighting Ruby Riot every week. Who cares at this point? Like, I don't even care, and I'm one of her biggest fans. So it's like, that's why I want to see them on, on on their own show because then I could see Ruby Riot maybe feud with like you know um uh Candice LeRae or like I could see different things like I want different women's feuds like I'm tired of Sasha Bailey Riot Squad I'm tired of Nia Jax Ronda Rousey I'm tired of Amber Moon Nia Jax I'm tired of at this point what is Oscar doing what what is Naomi doing what are the Iconics doing. What's Mandy and, and, and Bill, and they're going to, it seems like they're pushing Mandy Rose now because she has the look. Yeah. But I want to see these talented women, all of them, be a focal point of the writing, of the production, of backstage vignettes. I just want to see them apart from Raw, SmackDown, main event, because I just think that the main roster, bookers writers they don't know how to book women and you know they they kind of sometimes do and sometimes they don't because they are trying to tell me becky lynch is a heel really becky lynch is not a heel nobody's booing her she's a baby face she's the hottest thing they have and they continue to do things to make you want to hate her but it just makes people like her more and it's bad storytelling like the riot squad this past week they crushed natty's dad's glasses that's yeah. lazy booking 
she's crying and that's how a match ends. Like a woman cries and that's how the match ends. That's just lazy. So I want a woman's only show because the women are something I care about and I want to see them shine. And I don't think nearly any of them are getting their opportunities my opinion yeah and you you have been on a tremendous rant about um women's professional wrestling and um a women's Thank show you. and how you to uh, book it and whatnot but even in the same vein of that like uh, to jump back to 205 live and whatnot do you think all wwe shows you know that is not raw that is not smackdown should uh benefit from the full cell treatment because i think you know just what you was hitting on with like 205 live they need to be there in that small venue, you know, with that same NXT atmosphere. And um, because they're in a hard predicament, even like with main event or something like that as well. 205 Live used to be at the end of SmackDown. So going to these live shows for me, when they would come to Houston, the way they would entice you is to be like, hey, you know, they'll give you a, they may or may not give you a dark match before the show. But then they'll give you the whole two hour SmackDown. Then be like, hey, if you stay behind for 205 Live, after 205 Live, we give you another dark match. You know, so that's how they get to, to try to stick around and everything. And also from myself being a seat filler, which, um, you know, we're not supposed to talk about it, but, you know, everybody know that pretty much exists now. When they have 205 Live, I have been moved so many times to go fill seats to be on camera to fill those empty spots so they wouldn't be looking like a, a, a pile of poo poo you know on TV you know right so fair I mean that they, they do that at basketball games they do it at baseball games that's not that's not anything new to entertainment I mean um my okay so the the problem with the way they do 205 Live and SmackDown, all that stuff is, it's too long. Like, mm-hmm. people have jobs that they have to do in the morning. Yeah. You cannot be at a wrestling event for four hours on a Tuesday night or a Monday night watching main event and all that and then getting to work next morning. Like, what if you're in Seattle? What if you're in Chicago? What if you're in New York City? What if you're in Boston? You got traffic the next morning. You got to wake up. Like, I think some of this stuff that they do is just, you're asking too much of your fans. Like I love wrestling, but I don't love it that much where I want to sit in a chair that hurts my, you know, my, my blood flow for four hours. Like that. Here, here's the thing about me, Rob. Like I know you went to the last WrestleMania, you went to WrestleMania 34 in new Orleans, which yeah, uh-huh. I thought was a, I mean, I can't, what was the best match on that show? Um, Charlotte, Oscar, or or the mixed tag probably mixed tag was probably yeah. the best match on the show. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how long were you there for? Six hours? How long were you sitting in the chair for? A long ass time. <laughs> okay, it, it was all a blur, man. Like I, I, everybody's like, oh my god, you you don't understand what you're missing when you. I've been to WrestleMania, okay. I've been to pay per views. I've been to Raws. I've been to Smack. I've been to a lot of wrestling in my life. That's how I found wrestling because I got I went to Maple Leaf Garden. But now at this stage of my life with my other responsibilities, my career, I have a 4K TV and I have an iPad Pro. I can get better camera angles on TV than I can at the arena. Mm -hmm. 
And so I like the fact that, you know what? I'm watching a six-hour WrestleMania. I can just pause it. And I'll pause. I'll go downstairs. I'll get a beer. I'll get something to eat, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to spend any money. And plus, I have bathroom facilities. Yeah. I can take a break. I can go walk the dogs. Like, to me, I respect the hell out of all these wrestling fans who fly in from other cities to go see a card. Like, Evolution, people came in from Toronto, Chicago. That's great. And that's what they need. But I just can't do that anymore. Like, I feel like it's too much to ask of me to sit for four hours when I got work the next morning. I don't have that much disposable income to just throw at merchandise and soda and all that stuff. For me, I'd rather just sit at home and watch it. So I don't know if I'm ever going to go to another WrestleMania for my life. I don't know. Like, I don't think I will. I think I will if, like, if it's something that I have to see. Like, if it, if Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch are fighting in the main event, I would go. But I don't – I think it has to be something – extraordinary from a circumstance standpoint for me to get on a plane, rent a car, get a hotel room yeah. to go see a wrestling event now. Cause they came, I live in El Paso, home of Eddie Guerrero. By the way, I think Eddie Guerrero's last wrestling match was actually yesterday before he passed away. Um, just a little trivia for everybody that his last recorded wrestling match was yesterday and they were here and I could have got front row tickets. But I just didn't feel like getting in my car and going and watching the show. I just didn't. Yeah. And I, I, I just didn't. I, I, and I feel you, man. I understand that. But what, what has been more for me is the cool meetup, you know, because like I'll probably know somebody who's going to go to the show and I'm more excited to go watch wrestling with somebody I know rather than to go see the wrestling itself. Because that's pretty much what WrestleMania this past year was for me. I knew uh, Ant and all the Rant with Act, well, not all of them, but most of the Rant with Act crew was going to be there. Uh, the New Age Insiders was out there. Josh was there. Uh, Matt didn't make it this year. But, you know, Derek was there. I mean, I wanted to see those people, you know, and that was like one of the driving things for me to go. And as far as what you were saying about things we've never seen before, well, I've never been to um, a Supercard of Honor. And that was my opportunity to see one because they had one in New Orleans. So I got to see that. You know, I never got to see Kenny Omega perform live. I got to see that. You know, I wanted to see Punishment Martinez and um, some New Japan stars and everything that was also on that show. I got to see all that. So, I mean, it was it's a combination of uh, the people and the things I've never done before was um, mm-hmm. what it was for me. You know, but I, I agree with you, man. That's awesome. No, and I think that's, I think if I do go to a WrestleMania again, like the WrestleMania that's coming up in New York, you know, New York, for those of you who don't know, is a very expensive city in yeah. every aspect of, of cost. But if I do go, I want to go to the New Japan Ring of Honor show. Yeah. And I want to go to NXT. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I want to go to Raw the night after or SmackDown the night after. I might. But right now, like a WrestleMania main event, there is going to be no Roman Reigns. So it's going to be, is it going to be Rock and Brock Lesnar? Is it going to be Charlotte and Ronda Rousey? Because like, I got to be honest, like Ronda Rousey and Charlotte does not excite me as any marquee women's match because they've, de- like Charlotte's lost so many times. Like Charlotte's lost to Carmella clean. Yeah. I don't know why I would, should I care 
to see her fight Ronda Rousey when she's lost to every other woman on the roster at some point. Bailey, Sasha, Becky, Carmella, well, well, you know, you know Nia Jax. Like, Charlotte's lost to everybody. I know she's going to win 27 titles, but like that match does nothing for me. I wanted my dream match was Asuka stays undefeated all the way until WrestleMania 35. Mm-hmm. Ronda Rousey stays undefeated. They both have the belt and they fight battle of undefeated battle of Oscar lock versus the arm bar mm-hmm. that I was interested in yeah. because Oscar has such a physical style that I would believe she could give Ronda Rousey a fight. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I agree with you to see the friends, to meet up with people, to do those things, the meet and greets. That's cool. Those are all cool. But like, like the thing about it is too, me and my wife, because we have such busy, yeah. hectic corporate work life, you know, like she's a director um, she's a director of customer experience at Hertz rental car company. And, you know, she works at the airport here. So if you ever need a rental car and you're in El Paso, you know, go, go check Erica out at the Hertz counter. And, Thanks. you know, I'm an, I'm a junior executive at my company. So it's like, I work so much and she works so much that when we go to vacation together, we want to get away. I cannot sell her on, Hey hon, let's go to New York city. What do you want to go to New York for? I want to go to wrestling. Mm, no, no, thanks. <laughs> I can't sell her. Yeah. So I, I think that's also part of it. Like when I went to Orlando um, and I met Matt McCool, shout out to Matt for the first time. And we hung out in the line together to meet Sasha Banks. And we talked to a lot of her, a lot of other Sasha Banks fans and we walked around and we met other people. That was cool. But I went by myself. Like I met people there, but I didn't go with my wife. Cause she's like, I ain't going to that. So yeah, and that's also part of it. But I also think, Rob, it's about having a compelling product. And I don't think they have one right now that warrants me spending thousands of dollars to go see matches that I could see on my 4K TV mm-hmm. in my couch at the comfort of my own home. Yeah, Like, they don't have something. Like, they don't have Austin. They don't have Rock. Mm-hmm. They don't have, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think the last, like, CM Punk. Yeah. Um and let's let's uh, yeah. e- let's even get to something you know into that or whatever you know stars as far as WWE goes anyway because I mean if we are griping and complaining about professional wrestling more so than likely is going to be WWE because I mean I believe everywhere else is doing just fine you just got to take the time and sort it out and look for it you know or just watch it if you have it available to you but here we are Roman Reigns. Hey, I got leukemia. I got to drop this belt and go away and fight the good fight. Where does that leave them? Oh, well, shit. Slingshot put the belt right back on Brock Lesnar. And, um, you know, I, I spoke about it on the last two episodes or whatever. You know, how, why I felt that they put the belt back on Brock Lesnar. Not because he may have signed another deal or if he signed another deal or whatever. But I feel it's because of the circumstances of the show that they were at. You don't put... You don't give Braun his moment at this Saudi Arabia show with all the, you know, the things surrounding it. You don't do that to your young talent. If um, you look at that whole card, Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins were the only young talent per se on the roster. Everybody else was veterans and old timers and nostalgia acts. And it was people who had belts who had to be there, the champions. So, I mean, Crown Jewel, was nothing but a hey man we took this money we signed a deal let us go here and do this shit 
and get the fuck out. That's all that was. And then, you know, I'm not going to bury the lead on <laughs> the host of it or whatever, because that's a topic for later on in the show. But yeah, man, it's, it's just a bunch of bullshit. But now that Roman Reigns is gone, as far as star power, as far as what does WWE do now to build, you know, who who do we put that uh, saddle on? Who who do we ride into the future until Roman Reigns comes back? <laughs> well, that's a that's a great question, and I have a couple of different avenues that I would go down. Uh, number one, I do agree with your premise that Brock Lesnar got the belt in Saudi Arabia because. A, Saudi Arabia is not where they wanted to give Braun his shining moment. Number two, they're trying to book Braun Strowman just like they do every other baby face that they think can be the most over person, which is you keep beating them, beating them, beating them until they finally win. It has worked once in the history of this company, Daniel Bryan. That's it. It didn't work with Sasha Banks. It didn't work with Finn Balor. It didn't work with Bailey. It didn't work with, um, you know, uh, Roman Reigns. Like, it doesn't work. Like, that's not how you build a baby face. You know how you build a baby face? The way Becky Lynch got built, which is she went through every woman on the roster to get to the title. And then her best friend stabbed her in the back and she snapped and she beat the shit out of her. And then she ended up getting the belt. And now she has this aura about her. That's how you build a baby face. You do not build it the way they're doing it. So that's the other reason I think Braun didn't get the belt because it's like, we're going to make you want it more, but it doesn't work anymore. Nobody cares. Like they just get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Getting back to your question. I have two names. Okay. Everybody's going to say, Oh, it has to be Seth Rollins. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not saying it shouldn't be Seth Rollins. I would build my bra roster around Drew McIntyre. Yes, you you are, you are not the you are not the first, and you're not the last person to say that. I I, I agree with I that think as well. Drew McIntyre, if if you could create a perfect wrestler out of a lab, he has everything. He has the look. He has the arrogance to him. He has the the body type. He has the wrestling pedigree. He can cut a promo. He looks like a mean, nasty man. And I think Drew is a person who, as a heel champ, for the for the person who ends up beating Drew McIntyre, that will be a big deal because you could make Drew like an unstoppable force with the Claymore kick and with some of the other stuff he does. You could make Drew just a monster. And it's like you could get behind this guy. He He's just—it's like he reminds me of a modern-day Ravishing Recruit, and Ravishing Recruit is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time because, like, Ravishing Recruit was arrogant, he was cocky, but he beat the shit out of you, and you couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. But when eventually Rick Rude lost Jake Roberts, Ricky Steamboat, um, I'm thinking of some of the other high-profile feuds in WWE, um, Warrior, for example it made that person better because it's like, Oh, they finally knocked this arrogant prick off of his throne. And I love Drew McIntyre. I think he's great. The other person, I know you don't like him. And we've had this conversation before, but I like Finn Balor. Ah. And <laughs> I know you don't like Finn Balor and, and you know, there might even be, um, there might be truth 
to the he's too old now because he's like 37. Mm-hmm. But AJ Styles is 41. So I just yeah. want to point that out to everybody. But Finn Balor, the crowd loves this guy. Mm-hmm. The women love this guy. Yeah. He has the look. He has the charisma. He can wrestle. He can talk. Maybe he's a little bit boring in his character, but Finn Balor as the babyface that chases Drew McIntyre, the heel, is a money feud. And that could be compelling television. Obviously, you could build the title around a heel, Dean Ambrose. Like, you could easily do that. And I love Dean Ambrose's new character. I think he's doing great. Yeah. But it has to be Drew, Finn, Seth, Ambrose. I like Chad Gable. Yeah. I like, there's a lot of people I like, mm-hmm. but if they can build out Chad Gable into the next Kurt Angle, then that could work. Mm-hmm. But like, they go back to the same things over and over again. Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, AJ Styles. So I love Smudger, but he didn't win the belt. Like, he has, AJ's had the belt for a year. If it feels boring. You know, you know what I was just thinking about? We, we talking about Roman Reigns being out with his, uh, cancer and everything. <laughs> Is it just me? But I was just thinking about this as you was talking. Every time Roman Reigns has had an opportunity to capitalize on his situation, you know, build up his fan base and, you know, just be the guy that everybody wants at the time. Something fucking happens to him, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. He he he, was getting that big push in 2015. Then he had to hurry. He was going to knock. Yep, he had the hernia. He was going to... and Or Seth Rollins got injured, mm-hmm. right? Seth got injured, too, which hurt him. Yeah. Because the whole plan was he chases Rollins mm-hmm. to Mania and beats Rollins because the year before Rollins cashed in on him. Yeah. And that didn't happen because Rollins tore his ACL. Yeah. And then he... um They, they did that great angle where he lost to Sheamus because he got screwed by the League of Nations, but then he beat the shit out of Triple H mm-hmm. in Boston, where the crowd just was chanting, thank you, Roman, and they were going crazy for him. And mm-hmm. the next night, he won the title in Philadelphia because he beat the shit out of Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. And so you know this, like, if Vince McMahon comes out yeah. and he wants to get you over, Vince McMahon can get you over because yeah. people hate, love to see Vince McMahon get beat up. Mm-hmm. But then he goes into the Royal Rumble as entry number one and triple H wins the title. And then he ends up getting the belt back from triple H. And then AJ Styles was just like the hottest thing. And they, he gets suspended for, for, uh, what is it called? Um, Adderall. Yeah. Right. Like Roman Reigns had those great matches with, with, um, AJ Styles. Seth Rollins comes back. They set up that feud. Dean Ambrose caught fire. They switched the belt, put it on Ambrose. And Roman Reigns gets suspended. He he loses to Finn Balor. He's a he's in the U.S. title feud, and then they finally build him back up. He beats the Undertaker at WrestleMania, but then he doesn't get his belt until all the way eighteen months later at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. He finally wins the belt, beats Lesnar, and then he he has leukemia. So it's like yeah, there was another point. He is, yeah, there was another point in there too. To where I think they did that overseas tour, and you know he was um good in his position or whatever. And then he wound up getting sick, and he had to drop out or some shit like that too. Because what happened was is no, that was um when Bray Wyatt, JoJo, 
Roman Reigns all got sick. Yeah. And they had to, they were going to do the shield versus like the, the Braun Strowman Miz team. And then Roman Reigns got sick. So they had to put Kurt Angle in yeah, yeah, his yeah. place. Yeah. And, the, and then they had AJ Styles against Finn Balor as like a throwaway match just to get you to watch that pay-per-view. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he is, I mean, he is snake bitten. He really is because the WWE waited way too long to pull the trigger on Roman Reigns. Like mm-hmm. they should have given Roman Reigns the belt. Re- they should have given him the belt in the WrestleMania you went to in San Francisco. Yeah. Should he he should have oh, Yeah, he should have won that rumble that one year too, the um year Batista came back. But in hindsight now, that was probably about the best decision because of how it worked out for Daniel Bryan. Well, yeah, I think I think the other thing that hurt Roman Reigns is Roman Reigns won a Royal Rumble that everyone to see Daniel Bryan win. Yeah, and and that's always and, and that's been another thing with Roman too. At at the time, they wanted Bryan more than they wanted Roman, but they was pushing Roman yeah. more than they was pushing Bryan. So that's that's another point of contention with fans and Roman Reigns because like we wanted this motherfucker, but they kept giving us this motherfucker, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and I also think CM Punk has a lot to do with that because yeah. CM Punk had to go do the stupid podcast where he said, hey, you know, they just told me to make Roman look good. Roman look good. Oh, I get it. You want me to push Roman? You want me to push Roman? And I think a lot of people took that as CM Punk's like, oh, Roman is undeserving, but they're pushing him. And I actually, I'm one of the rare people who's a hardcore wrestling fan, but I actually like Roman Reigns' matches. Yeah, I think I his matches too. are actually really good. There are some that are Superman punch heavy, and I don't like that. But I mean, overall, I mean they they, they decent. I, I don't have too many complaints with them. No, I agree. I, I agree with that, Rob. Like I think that some of his matches are very patterned. But you know what? So is every Hulk. So is every Macho Man Randy yeah. Savage match. You know, so is every AJ Styles match. Yeah. Like so is every John Cena match. Yeah, wrestling is that. Yeah, yeah. So so I don't I don't want to knock Roman Reigns, but. I think it's about, I see Drew, If when I look at Drew McIntyre, I see everything Vince McMahon dreams about at night in a guy. Mm-hmm. Push him. Push you, him. Do you Push him to the moon. Have you ever heard of, um, there's an Instagram account called Russell and Flow? Yep, I have. Oh, yeah. I did follow you, them. Did you see the um, most recent video with uh, the Drew McIntyre music? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. That, that was another thing that I was thinking about when you brought up Drew McIntyre. I'm gonna probably put that on the um, in the show notes. It's pretty good. But on the we we talked about a lot of women's wrestling. We talked about a lot about of uh, wrestling in general. But I mean, let's go into one of the more popular segments of the show. And that is uh, where I cue the sensual music in the background and we slow it down for Waterfall Mania. Okay. Now, um, you, you, your combatant that you have brought to the table joins the illustrious list of combatants. And uh, I'll recap that for those of you who may not be familiar. We have uh, Katrina, who was uh, formerly Maxine in NXT, and now is uh, Katrina on uh, Lucha Underground. And then we have Tori Wilson and Nia Jax, Liv Morgan, Alexa Bliss, Naomi, 
and Oscar. Now the combatant that we are bringing to the table to add to this illustrious list is Becky Lynch. I mean, you already talked a lot about her or whatever, and this was your um, choice to add to the um, Waterfall Mania list, which I still have no idea how I'm going to do this tournament or whatever. I might simulate it in a WWE 2K19 or, you know, do some YouTube videos on it or whatever. But, you know, that remains to be seen. We're just building up the roster for the event that will be known as Waterfall Mania. But Becky Lynch, what, 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 yeah. when, when did you first see Becky Lynch? What was your earliest memory of her? The earliest memory of Becky Lynch for me was when she was part of Team Bay. That's B-A-E, best at everything with her and Sasha Banks in NXT. Um, you know, they, it eventually culminated to that fantastic match they had at NXT Unstoppable, where it was Sasha against Becky. Sasha won the match, but the crowd was singing Becky's theme song after the match and chanting, Becky, Becky. And, you know, she really came into her own as a performer and as a talent that night. And I've always been, I've always been a fan of her look and I've always been a fan Mm -hmm. of her wrestling ability because she's a very, she's very technical and she works body parts and she's crisp. And, you know, the other thing is like, my wife has a really good story about Becky Lynch. Like my wife, as I said earlier, director of Hertz rents cars for a living. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Becky Lynch was actually somebody who came to her counter and she was just telling me how beautiful Becky Lynch was and showed me the picture of like her arm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, look at how, look at how cut her arm is. And she just has like a persona to her that I like. Um, as everybody knows, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at King Ajar, K I N G A J A R. My name backwards, Raja Ajar is it backwards. So like your door ajar. Everyone who follows me on Twitter knows, you know, I love Sasha Banks. Like, she's my favorite women's wrestler probably of all time, other than maybe Trish Stratus, but, mm-hmm. or my, Minami Toyota. But I'm, I might be breaking up with Sasha Banks. Like, I'm at a point where I think it's time for me to date Becky Lynch in my mind. Mm-hmm. Because Becky Lynch is just everything I like about what a wrestling character is right now. Okay. She looks the part. Like she wears the leather pants. She kind of looks cool. Like she's like somebody you want to have a drink with, but she's like somebody you want to sleep with, but she's like somebody you wouldn't mind beating you up. Like if Becky were to like whip me, I'd be okay with that. (laughs) Um, she's, she's very, you know, she's clever on Twitter. She's awesome on Twitter. She, you know, like she calls Ron, Ronda Rousey, Ronnie. She makes fun of Ronda Rousey and her husband. She's like, you know, you both are very bad at defense because they both got beat up in their fights because they had bad defense at UFC. Yeah, damn. Um, she, 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 then she really won me over this past week. Like, I was always like, I'm all in on Becky Lynch, but she was, she made the joke about Ronda Rousey, how Ronda Rousey's like Stan following her all over the place. Yeah. And Ronda Rousey responded to her and she goes, Dear Slim. Yeah. I lost myself. <laughs> you know what? I'm just like, I am bowing at the temple of Becky Lynch. She's just everything right now. Like she is just the best thing about WWE programming, like main roster NXT. I told you I was this close to adding Bianca Belair Uh to your roster. And I'm sure somebody else will. Yeah. But, for this purpose, it has to be Rebecca Quinn. Like, 
she's just the best thing going. And look at her. I mean, she is a beautiful woman and she has everything. She can talk. She can, she's a smart ass. Mm. She could beat you up. I mean, she's just everything right now. Like yeah. I just, She's the only reason I watch SmackDown every week is her. And I not, do not watch anything else about SmackDown. And not to take her. and not to take away too much of uh, what you've been speaking about or whatever, but I'm cashing in. Surprise, motherfucker! Okay. You have 60 seconds on the clock. In the key of Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me clear my throat. Mean Gene, let me tell you something. Sasha Banks in the big time is a cup of coffee. A cup of coffee. Can't defend her title. Can't stay healthy. A cup of coffee. The macho man Randy Savage drinks coffee for breakfast and spits it out. <laughs> like Sasha Banks title reign. Just can't hang on to the thing. That's a loser. The macho man is a winner. Did you hear that, Mean Gene? A winner. Do not, I defend the title. I don't lose it. Sasha can't defend. Loser. <laughs> you still got 15 seconds. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was it. That's all I had. Okay. You, you can't make me, I can't, I, I'm not allowed to bash bash Sasha even in character for more than 45 seconds <laughs> okay so. that's close enough you had like 50 seconds <laughs> <laughs> but um Becky Lynch uh back to her um I um I I, I too remember her from uh NXT and I remember first seeing her and she had the little um she had I think she had the outfit to where she had the long pants the plaid top and she had like a little plaid cape hanging off the thing and I thought this is the most awkward thing in women's ring gear I have ever seen and I think she had the darker hair then before she got started going with the orange and uh, she would come out and she would dance like the little Irish jig or whatever she'd do like the little river dance shit and I was just like this is a fucking clown what the hell is she doing <laughs> but slowly um, over time the dance went away the outfit changed up considerably because it, it became a hindrance to um, her performance in the ring or whatever. I could see her a little flappy cape thing getting in the way or whatever. But um, slowly over time, you know, forming the group and um, through her performances and whatnot, you know, she slowly began to grow on me. Then the orange hair came into play and I was like, what? Who is this person? This is not the same person as before. And um, I got to know her through her witty puns and everything. Her many puns that she would uh, put on social media or say on TV and backstage segments and uh, everywhere else. And, um, you know, I'm a punny type of person. You know, I, I, my wife calls me the corniest person in the world. And so I can relate to those puns when I hear them. Some of them are cringeworthy, you know, which puns tend to run into sometimes. But I grown to adore her personality. And then um, everything else just kind of fell into place. She is a, a good in-ring technician. I barely uh, see her mess up too many things. I mean, it's bound to happen, but I really... I rarely see those things or I rarely remember those, which 
it probably could be the case because I have a hard time remembering shit. Here you are with your photographic memory pulling up shit from 1972 and you probably wasn't even born then. But still, uh, <laughs> it's just, I like her a lot. And whatever she's doing right now is just like leaps and bounds over whatever she was doing before. And I really appreciate her being, you know, highlighted in the light that she's getting now, you know. I can't see this woman's roster without Becky Lynch right now. God forbid she ever go down with an injury or anything like that, because I would lose my shit and I don't know how I would console myself to, <laughs> to I don't know, man. I don't know how. But she, is, but she is the women's roster. Like, I was thinking about this. Like, I she had, her and Charlotte, by the way, if you haven't watched their match at Evolution, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think it's the second best women's match ever in the WWE. I think, you know, Sasha Bailey, Brooklyn is one. I think that match is number two. I think Asuka, Amber Moon is three. I think Sasha Bailey, Iron Woman is four. And I think Sasha, Charlotte, last one, I mean, Falls Count Anywhere out of Charlotte is, is, is number five. But the point I'm trying to make is Becky Lynch, I think, is carrying everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's, Oh, well, Becky and Charlotte had this great feud. No, 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 I think Becky just carried Charlotte to a great feud. Yeah. And then you speak about the match. Because, you speak about the match of Evolution. I, I did watch it, and um, it was good, but it was just a couple things on Charlotte's end as far as, you know, the, sell, the selling and everything that um, kind of turned me off in the moment, but it didn't take away from the match itself. It, it was just me nitpicking because of what I know and some of my experiences, but it's just like, I don't know. It was just weird as fuck. And then, you know, the count was kind of off, but I mean, it was still a good match. Here's the thing about that match. And, and I, you know, like when you talk about greatness, you nitpick because greatness is great. You got to nitpick. So it's like, um, one of the, I haven't cashed in on you, so don't worry. But when I, when I was (laughs) going to cash in on you, I was going to ask you to cut a promo about two of the greatest hip hop albums of all time, which is Midnight Marauders, Tribe Called Quest. Enter the 36 Chambers Wu-Tang. They both came out exactly the same day, the same year, 1993, November 9th. And, you know, I was doing a, a hip-hop podcast um, with a friend of mine in Toronto, and he's like, well, tell me which album's better. And it's like, it's hard to nitpick. Like, I don't want to sit there and say, well, you know, Midnight Marauders didn't have the, the hard drums. Like, it's like nitpicking. They're both great albums. They're both perfect. I can listen to both of them over and over again. Point is, Charlotte Becky had weapons, mm-hmm. had 10, 10 more minutes of time. And it, at times I thought it was a little clunky, yeah. but it did feel like a fight. Whereas when you watch Sasha Bailey in Brooklyn, that match was perfect. They did everything perfect in that match because even when Bailey won, it was perfect. Reverse her karana, crowd was going crazy. She tightened her ponytail, belly to belly, one, two, three. We go home in 18 minutes. It was perfect. It was crisp. It was perfect. Charlotte Becky was great, but it had weapons. Mm-hmm. It had tables. It had all these other things that Sasha and Bailey did not have. Sasha and Bailey did not have to get a kendo stick or a ladder or chairs to tell a story. They had to tell a story as a, re- as a wrestling match. Yeah. I'm always going to put a wrestling match without weapons above a match with weapons. So 
if you were to tell me Oscar Ember Moon Takeover Brooklyn three is better than Becky Charlotte, I'm not going to argue with you because that match was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That match was amazing. I watched I watched all three of those matches in a row. And it's like I just loved the the non weapons aspect of the of the, the two matches I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But I loved Becky and Charlotte for one reason: they got the ending right. Becky won. Yeah. Because and- if Charlotte had won, oh. I would not have liked that match. I that match to me would have been like a great movie with a shitty ending. Or yeah. If anybody out there watches House of Cards, I love House of Cards, but I just finished watching the whole series. The ending sucked. So like. I just invested seven and a half years in watching this show and oh my God, the ending sucks. Like that's what you give me as an ending. So mm-hmm. if Charlotte won that match, I would not like that match. I would have been so pissed. Yeah. Becky won. Yeah. That's what I want. So for me, that match is really good, but I see what your point is. Like the table didn't break. The count was a little off. Mm-hmm. It, and at times felt long winded. Like yeah. it's like they were trying to go out there like, it's almost like they went in the back before they went out. They said, Tasha Bailey, we're going to beat your match. And they did everything to try to beat that match on purpose. Yeah. It didn't feel organic, but it's a great match. And great then, match. And then you got to play play to the environment as well. I mean, you know this is, you know, a no DQ match and you can use all these different elements. So, I mean, you have to use it. And um, sometimes that doesn't go in your favor. You You can't. Choreograph how the chair is gonna um, unfold, or how the table is gonna break and lean, or how the the ladder is gonna <laughs> do. I mean, they're inanimate objects, and you can't really plan for that. But yeah, man, it's just it's just weird. Um, future of Becky Lynch. What do you see for her in her future? Sadly. I see a company that is going to ruin her. I see a company that's going to have her lose to Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series. I see a company that's going to have Charlotte get her win back at TLC. I think Becky will have the title next year going into WrestleMania. Maybe she doesn't beat Charlotte. Maybe she does beat Charlotte. I think they should do Becky Lynch Asuka at WrestleMania next year. I think that's a match people would get behind. Um, I'm a little biased here. I'd like to, you know, if I was booking the WWE, I would have Sasha Banks with the Royal Rumble and I would have her become the heel Sasha and fight Becky Lynch at WrestleMania next year. Mm-hmm. Because I think heel Sasha Banks is perfect to fight this Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. Because the story is very simple. Mm-hmm. If you follow their careers, Sasha's the only person Becky has never beaten. Okay. She, yeah. she never beat her on the main roster. She never beat her in NXT. And she kind of came on, like, she was Sasha's sidekick in NXT. Yeah. So I think Sasha winning the Rumble and saying, you've never beaten me. And then what you do is you have Sasha actually beat her at WrestleMania, but then you have Becky win back the match, the belt at SummerSlam. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the story you should tell with Becky and Sasha. Because you know if those two get a feud, the matches are going to be out of this world. Yeah. And, uh- and yeah, you go ahead. And, and and to me, Ronda Rousey, for what she's brought to the WWE, I don't like her matches. Her matches are very patterned. She, yes, she's going to judo throw you every match. She also almost made, I mean, she's pretty much knocked Alexa Bliss out of commission. So she's also a little bit reckless. And mm-hmm. I feel like I want to see a crisp 
wrestling match. Like, I know I'm going to get Rousey Charlotte as the one women's match. Mm -hmm. Give me Sasha Becky because that match will tear the house down. So that's what I want. Now, um, in the vein of uh, professional wrestling as a whole, we spoke about it. It's been uh, mentioned in many other forums as far as wrestling podcasts go. But the designation of heel and face, do you think that needs to go away? Because, um, I mean, when you're telling the story, I mean, you automatically know who has the the ill intentions and who has the good intentions. And it should a match or a story should be driven by emotion rather than, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's just we as fans, a lot of people know a little bit too much, you know, oh, they're doing this because they want him to be a heel to face this face. Or whatever. And when it shouldn't be like that, it should be a story. You know, a person should be led by their motivations or their character's motivations. You know, and sometimes it can be good and sometimes it can be bad. So, I mean, the face and heel thing, I think, needs to go away. You know, it's just like write a good story, have the character have good intentions sometimes or have bad intentions or just be somewhere in between. You don't have to be good all the time. You don't have to be bad all the time. Just be in the moment. Be that character or, you know, what that character would do and shit like that. Okay. Um, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I think it's about interpretation. Like, you look at Becky Charlotte, perfect example. They're trying to tell the story that Becky could never win the big one until she turned heel. Mm-hmm. But the fans look at the story as Becky was working her ass off to win the belt. Charlotte comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. with her entitlement, entitlement, mm-hmm. gets the title shot, steals the win from her, and yeah. she got booed out of the building. Yeah. It's all about how you look at the story. Yeah. See, like, that story tells itself. I mean, you, you get everything out of what you just said because of, you know, the character's drive. She beat everybody. She got her opportunity. Charlotte was in in um was uh inserted into her match that she worked to get and she didn't so i mean that would leave her with these reservations towards charlotte when she won so i mean i get that but does that necessarily make her a heel as i do air quotes right now no i don't think it makes it to heel. i think it's charlotte yeah, yeah see. i think that they should have told the story that like what they should have done after surviving things is have like, Becky beat her up out of frustration exactly what they did, but they should have been, been you know, should have came on the mic next week and said, this is why you can never win, because you never take advantage of opportunities. Yeah. And uh, saying that, that's, yeah, I agree with that. It's just, I don't know, it's like, we get it. You know, she was frustrated because she took her moment that she worked for so hard to get and you know Charlotte just stepped in and took her, took her shine you know I would be pissed about that but it doesn't make you a heel and that's what they you know are letting on as far as commentary you know you know like she's a bad person and all this and then the fans say otherwise you shouldn't play against it is pretty much what I'm just saying so what I would also say about heel face dynamic is the WWE just has to do a better job of telling a clear-cut story on who is the protagonist and antagonist. Like, when is the last time they told a cogent babyface storyline where you know this is the good guy or the good woman? 
Mm-hmm. Like, when is the last time they told that story? I can't recall. And then again, I already alluded to my bad memory. So, <laughs> I think the other thing too, Rob, is if you look at how they do this, mm-hmm. they typecast people incorrectly. And, and what I mean by that is, so about well, two years ago, 2016, you know, they had Charlotte was the baby face champion, right? Like she won the women's belt in 2015. She beat Nikki Bella and they did everything they could to make her a baby face because they don't want Charlotte to be a heel. They want her to be a baby face, but she was getting booed with Paige. Mm-hmm. She was getting booed with Nikki Bella. She was getting, we want Sasha chance. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she talks about it in her book. And, and for yeah. those of you who don't believe me, go read Charlotte's fictional or non-fictional book. And she talks about how like she used to cry in her hotel room because the the Sasha chants would get to her. Like she'd be wrestling in her hometown and they'd be chanting for another wrestler who's not even on the roster at that time. And that got to her. Point I'm trying to make is they turned Charlotte heel because the fans really loved Sasha. But then Sasha herself is not a great baby face. Um, I think she can be in the ring because she sells very well, but her promos, she comes across very snarky. Mm-hmm. She comes across very entitled and like, I'm better than you. And I just don't think like, she's not Bailey. And then they tried to make her Bailey. And then when Bailey came to the main roster, they didn't know what to do with Bailey. Cause they're like, Oh, well we have this Sasha person who all the little girls want to dress up as. And what they should have always done to me is you have Charlotte, give the belt to Sasha. Sasha becomes a baby face, but turns heel. Let Bailey take the belt off of her. And I think you would have had something better because yeah. I also think Alexa bliss should be a baby face. Everybody cheers her. She's petite. Um, I think people will get behind her. I just think that they cast, they cast people incorrectly. And Charlotte is a natural villain. She's six feet. She's blonde. She has, she's a, a rich, spoiled girl. That's not a baby face. Like, why do I want to cheer for you? You've had money your whole life. You drove a Range Rover. Like, Rob, we went, we've been high school, right? Mm -hmm. She drove a Range Rover to high school and had Louis Vuitton purses. That's not somebody that I'm getting behind as a, as an underdog. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Like, like she went to high school in a Range Rover. Like that was the, like her dad said, here's your first car, honey, Range Rover. My first car was a 1987 K car or some shit like that. Mine she was, had a Range Rover. Yeah. Mine was a 1990 Chrysler fifth Avenue. <laughs> okay. And that Not was a like, Range Rover. Yeah. And that was like in the car was already 10 years old when I got it. So, <laughs> so my, point is that she isn't a person that people are going to naturally get behind as a character. Mm-hmm. She is rich. She is, has had money her whole life. She comes across like an arrogant person. She's very unlikable. But you know what? So is Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks is not likable either on camera. She yeah. isn't. Mm-hmm. And these two, they've tried to make as the top baby faces at respective times. And it's like, 
the fans are like, I want to cheer for both of these women as heels. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to cheer for them as baby faces because it feels phony and fake. Bailey is a baby face. Mm-hmm. She should be a baby face. Becky Lynch is a baby face. Yeah, she's edgy. She's, you know, like aggressive, but she's still likable. Yeah. What is she saying that is wrong? Has she not been held down? When she cut the, she did the podcast, I think it was a gorilla podcast, and she said, am I not blonde enough? Do I not have any enhancements? She's right. Like, what is she saying that's bad? Mm-hmm. That blonde women with big boobs don't get pushed over her? They have. Alexa Bliss, Charlotte Flair, they've all got pushed over her. She's right. Why am I booing her? She's correct. Yeah. Why would I boo her? What's the point? So to me, Rob, the problem isn't babyface or heel. The problem is they don't put the people in the right positions to succeed. It's like Charlotte should be a heel. Sasha Banks should be a heel. Becky Lynch should be a babyface. Bailey should be a babyface. Oscar should be whatever. Oscar should be Oscar. You don't even know what Oscar is. She could be a killer. She could she could just be good, but she kills you. Like Oscar's just Oscar. Yeah. Nia Jack should never be a babyface. Like mm-hmm. no. Six foot four, two hundred and seventy pound Nia Jax is a babyface against five foot Alexa Bliss. Mm-hmm. And how did they resort to getting Alexa Bliss booed? She called her fat. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Alexa Bliss, who is a beautiful woman, made fun of her and said she's fat. And you felt sorry for Nia Jax. And it worked. And it worked for two weeks. And then everybody started to boo Nia Jax in because her matches aren't good with Alexa Bliss. So people are like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. And that's the um, kind of thing you, get, you run into with Alexa Bliss anyway. If you got somebody that's like, you know, visually you know, towers over her or bigger than her or whatever, it kind of takes away from the illusion or whatever the fuck. But I'm like, shouldn't Alexa Bliss be the baby face? Yeah. And but like, she's so good at being bad, the- though. <laughs> she's great at being bad. She's phenomenal at being bad. She's amazing. But nobody believes she can beat Nia Jax unless she has a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. And even at that point, I don't know if I believe it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what used to bother me about, and I'll admit this, and I love Sasha Banks, but like when they booked her against Nia Jax and she'd always beat Nia Jax. Yeah. I had, that was a tough pill to swallow for me. I felt it's like she should, <laughs> yeah, I felt like she should have always got her ass whipped and maybe one match later, or, you know, somewhere down the road, she finally gets the big victory over. <laughs> like, like, I felt like, okay, the the way they did that feud was Nia Jax beat her the first time in six minutes. Like, she just kicked her ass at the Royal Rumble. Then every other match after that, Sasha Banks beat her. And so, like, Sasha Banks beat her in a one-on-one match without weapons. Mm. Sasha Banks rolled her. Like, Sasha Banks at 112 pounds rolling up a 270-pound Nia Jax. It doesn't even look, it just looks stupid. And then um, the other one was, where they had the one-on-one match in Boston before the SummerSlam to set up the SummerSlam match with Alexa Bliss, where Sasha really, like, I felt like, to your point, like, Nia should have beat her, like, five, six times in a row, and then finally Sasha gets the win by outsmarting her. Yeah. Like, doing something, like, poking her in her eye and then locking in the bank statement where she can't see, or, like, almost, like, handcuffing her, where... 
she couldn't escape. Like it had to be something believable. Yeah. But to me, if Sasha Banks and Nia Jax fight one on one, even though Sasha Banks has believable offense and she can punch well and she can kick well, it's not really believable that any woman on the roster other than Asuka, maybe maybe Charlotte, maybe Rousey could really beat Nia Jax up. Nia Jax looks like she'll just kill you. Like yeah. she just looks unstoppable. And I always felt like that they dropped the ball with Nia. Like Nia should have yeah. got the belt and held on to it for a long time. Yeah. And then the person who comes along to beat her is like the big bad new baby face that they want to get over. They just don't know how to do proper storytelling. It's very lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know, Rob, like, I don't want to rant about it too long, but that's what, that's what it is to me. Like, that's what the WWE has become. They just have become a company that understands it makes a lot of money and it has a built-in fan base that's like a cult. And that no matter what they do and no matter how hard they try to fuck things up, people don't leave. And I think eventually people will leave, but it's going to take, a, they, it's going to be a slow, like people are going to leave slowly. It's not going to be yeah. one day they're doing 2 million viewers, next day they're doing 2 million. It's going to erode over time. Yeah. I don't know. I just, um, I love wrestling as a, as a form of entertainment. And when it's done right, it's great. Mm-hmm. But man, it's tough to watch these two shows. Yeah. It is tough. Well, tough since, since, since you got a lot of fire in you. Right now, I think we should roll into our last segment because um, I want you to bring some of that in intensity to uh, this topic. The go the fuck yeah. home. Who is your nomination? That, I'm ca- no, I'm cashing in, though. Surprise, motherfucker. I'm cashing in. I was hoping you forgot. <laughs> no, I didn't forget. I need to save it. So I am cashing in. So to all the people out there, yesterday was November 9th. And that's the day the Montreal screw job happened. 1997, November 9th in Montreal. Yeah. So I am going to ask Vince McMahon, <laughs> aka Rob, <laughs> to tell us in 60 seconds, did Brett screw Brett? Okay. All right. I got it. Here we go. You ready? 60 seconds on the clock. Uh, 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 well, uh, honestly, HR, uh, I, I, I believe. Uh, Brett screwed Brett because Brett didn't want to play ball. You know, this is my company that I built from the ground up. Nobody, nobody is bigger than Vince McMahon. Uh, you know, when I tell you to drop the damn belt, you drop the damn belt. You don't even, you don't really drop the belt. You just put it down nice and you fold it up and you make sure all the clasp are buttoned into each other properly, covered in a line and put down just neatly. Cause I, I am the man and I can fire your ass anytime I want to. Cause this is my company. This is my ring and Brett ultimately screwed Brett Hart. And that's my time. <laughs> A very, very nice Vince. So Brett did screw Brett. Okay. Go the fuck home. <laughs> I am going to tell the immortal Huckster, Huckster to go the fuck home. And here's why. Most People who became wrestling fans in the early, late 80s probably liked Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. I 
loved Hulk Hogan. Let me tell you how much I loved Hulk Hogan. When I was in elementary school, when Earthquake beat him up on the Brother Love show and put him on the stretcher, I wrote a letter to WWE headquarters. Goddamn. Asking, you know, for if the Hulkster was going to get well, if he was going to, um, you know, be okay. And he actually wrote me back. This is a true story. He wrote me back. He, he addressed it to Raja and it was on a postcard and it had his picture on it and he wrote it. Now, obviously he didn't write it. Somebody wrote it for him. But mm-hmm. the point is, I got a letter back from Hulk Hogan and it was like the greatest thing ever. Like, Oh my God, Hulk Hogan wrote me back. I am like the envy of, of my school, the show and tell schoolyard. Like, look, the Hulkster wrote me back. And, and at that age, we all thought he really did write us back. Yeah. So when the, the, the audio tape surfaced of him and what he felt about, I guess, an African-American man, dating his daughter, Brooke Hogan, who, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Brooke Hogan, everybody knows she's blonde and, you know, she's a, she's a good looking woman and whatever. But the point is, I'm going to quote what he said. So people on who listen to Rob's show, please do not associate this with me. This is not me. This is, this is, this is him. Okay, so I'm going to read the transcript because I saved it because I knew I was going to be doing this. Mm -hmm. Let's read his comment. Where is it? That's part of it. (laughs) Okay. No, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm pulling it up, pulling it up. Sorry. You know, technology sometimes doesn't move at the speed of light like you want it to. It's uh, taking some time. But for those who... Um, have read the rant or heard the rant, there's the N-word sprinkled in there a lot. Mm-hmm. I have a big problem with a publicly traded company like the WWE who pretty much said that, hey, we're going to forgive this guy. He's going to come back. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let me. He goes, I mean, I'd rather if she was going to fuck some nigger, I'd rather have her marry an eight-foot-tall nigger with hundred million dollars said, yeah, I'm fucking racist. Okay. Here's my problem. Here's what Hulk Hogan has to go the fuck home for a lot of different reasons. Number one, he's 60 something years old. Mm-hmm. I don't think the WWE needs to nostalgia act its way to prosperity anymore. Like it has younger, talented people, more talented individuals. Maybe they're not going to be the draw Hulk Hogan was because nobody really is. But they need to focus on the future and the present, not the past. Number two, you are trying to sell yourself as this company of equality and equal opportunity. One of your biggest acts over the last five years has been the New Day. Three um, very well-spoken, articulate African-American individuals. One of your biggest, I guess, celebrity spokespeople who do charity work and stuff like that is Titus O'Neil. Mm-hmm. And you're, and you know, arguably your most popular female star in the last three to four years has been Sasha Banks, mm-hmm. who ESPN once called the Beyonce of professional wrestling. 
these individuals have been doing a lot to help further your brand. You do not need to bring this guy back to the roster because it sends a really bad message. And to me, as a fan, I'm disgusted that they're basically saying Saudi Arabia can throw a bunch of money at us and whoever they want us to bring back, Mm -hmm. we're going to bring back because we don't really care about our American fans or African-American fans or Hispanic fans or minority fans. We don't give a fuck because we want money. And that's all we're about. And I have never felt like the WWE has been a racially tolerant company. I mean, they've had gimmicks like um, (laughs) primetime Kamala and they've had gimmicks. They've had Kamala. Kamala was was done in Texas and done in Memphis. So it's yeah. not. I can't really blame WWE. They just stole it. Um, crime time in the Mexico. Mm-hmm. Okay, so crime time is two big, tall African American gentlemen wearing wife beaters, and baggy Tim's. jeans, Tim's and Tim's do rags, and their whole gimmick is going around and shop and shoplifting and stealing things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two, the other um, gimmick that really pissed me off was the Mexico. Yeah, that was way up there. (laughs) They had Hispanics driving lawnmowers to the ring. So, okay, you already have a checkered past when it comes to racial prejudice. Now you have an opportunity as a publicly traded billion-dollar company to say, you know what, Hulk Hogan, thank you for all you've done. We wouldn't be where we were if it weren't for you. But because of what you said, we want nothing to do with you on camera. Now, if they want to give him a check behind the scenes and they want to do merchandise and do stuff like that, no problem. Mm -hmm. But I don't need to see him on camera. He needs to go the fuck home. He is a, a piece of shit. And then the other thing that really pisses me off about him is what did he say to the members of the WWE locker room. He said, I am mad that I got, he goes, be careful out there because people are always tape recording. (laughs) So what you're telling me is you really aren't apologetic about being a fucking racist. What you are is apologetic of what? Somebody illegally tape recording you or tape recording you without your knowledge. So what you're telling the roster is, yeah, I still think that, you know, you guys are fucking niggers, but, I just am mad that you videotaped it or audio taped it. Yeah. And if I'm Sasha Banks and if I'm the New Day and if I'm Titus O'Neil and if I'm Bianca Belair and I'm Alicia Fox and I'm Naomi and I'm the Usos, I'm like, fuck this guy because like we work our ass off every single day, every week. We get injured. We travel, you know, in shitty, sometimes in shitty accommodations. We don't have health insurance. One of the reasons also that wrestlers don't have health insurance and a union is because of Hulk Hogan. So for those of you who don't know the story, I don't know what the year is, maybe 86, 87, 88. Jesse Ventura gathered all the wrestlers and he was going to start a union. So he was going to make Vince give them health insurance and benefits and things like that. Hulk Hogan snitched on them and told Vince McMahon. So not only is Hulk Hogan a piece of shit for being a racist, he's also a selfish, selfish piece of shit who only cared about Hulk Hogan. And so for me, the WWE does not need Hulk Hogan in 2018. He needs to go the fuck home, stay the fuck home, 
and never come back on my TV screen again. So that's all I have to say. And what a way to put a cap on this already tremendous episode. We had guest appearances by the Macho Man and Vince McMahon. Uh, we talked heavily about Becky Lynch and um, women's wrestling in general. And um, I appreciate you giving me your time, man. And uh, let's go ahead and wrap it on up. Uh, where can people follow you on social media? They can follow me on social media at, at King of Jar, K-I-N-G-A-J-A-R. I'm also on Instagram at A-J-A-R-P-I-C-S, which is Ajar Picks. Um, on social media, I talk a lot about sports. I talk a lot about wrestling. I'm starting to talk a lot about politics. So if you're a person highly offended by political opinions, I'm probably not the right follow. However, I will say this, you know, I am, un- I'm a- I am unapologetic about my tweets. But I like to have good dialogue, and I've met a lot of great people on Twitter, Rob, you amongst them. So that's where you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram. I don't do Facebook. I don't do Snapchat. I don't do anything else like that. But Instagram and Twitter is where you can find me. All right. On half of my – I say on half of myself, on behalf of myself and uh, King Ajar, um, that's it for Wrestling is Trash, and we'll see you next time.